0: are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, August 30th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Supporters of a bill that would make it easier for farm workers to vote in union elections showed up in force at the Capitol in hopes of persuading Governor Gavin Newsom to sign it into law. The California report sets the scene. On the northern coast, a toxic algae bloom is taking a toll on the iconic sturgeon. After regional news and weather, KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker, has uplifting news for a very warm week. And Mark Cuneberti offers us a snapshot of our economic moment. This is the California
1: Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. The state Senate passed a bill yesterday that will make it easier for farm workers to vote in union elections. But getting the governor's signature is far from a done deal. Backers say they won't rest until AB 2183 becomes law. They've begun holding around-the-clock vigils around the state, despite having just finished a 24-day march from Delano to Sacramento, during which they got a little help from some friends. Victor Vargas is the solo rider liaison for the Sacramento Lowrider Commission. He works for the city of Sacramento by day, but his passion is taking care of his 1964 Apollo Super Sport convertible and supporting his community.
0: So I always want to make sure that I always have my roots you know, planted in, in the soil and always give back to my community when I can.
1: He's a third generation Mexican-American born and raised in Sacramento. He says he never worked in the fields, but his mom and grandmother did.
0: It hits home for me, it's real important. You know, I wanna make sure that, uh, you know, I have a daughter, she's uh, 16 months old, you know, and I wanna make sure that she sees the efforts that we're putting in for our people and that they don't get forgotten about when they're in the fields.
1: So when he heard about the farm worker march, he didn't hesitate to get involved. He gathered his low riders to cruise behind the marchers along the last leg of their 334 mile march. They provided food, water, and moral support to the marchers. And with the help of a hundred lowriders from across the state, they brought them to the finish line at the state capitol. Thousands of supporters were there to welcome the marchers. As for Vargas, he says as long as there is injustice, his community will keep showing up.
0: The lowrider community is here in support. The Chicano biker community is here in support. And, uh, you know, we just want to show our people, you know, that we support them 100 percent, you know, and anything we can and will do, we're going to do that for them.
1: And in other news, the Biden administration is looking for new ways to shield DACA recipients in case the courts overturn the program that protects these undocumented immigrants who came to the U.S. as children. That's according to the head of the agency that oversees the nation's legal immigration system, as we hear from KQED's Taiki Hendricks. Since 2012, DACA, the Deferred Action for
2: Childhood Arrivals program, has offered protection from deportation and work permits to more than 800,000 people, more than a quarter of them in California. Urja Du is the head of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, the agency that handles DACA. At a UCLA law event on Monday, she admitted that DACA is hanging by a thread because a federal appeals court in Texas could strike it down in coming months or even days. Ultimately, it will depend on what the court says, and there are authorities within the secretary's powers under the statute. Jadou says in addition to DACA, the Homeland Security secretary has other powers to allow undocumented people to stay temporarily in the U.S. on a case-by-case basis. She said President Biden has ordered her agency to preserve and strengthen DACA. The president has directed us to pay attention and be ready. Um, I don't want to prognosticate about what the court might or might not do and how it might or might not do it, but I can assure you it's at the top of our minds all the time. Meanwhile, Jadu says she's proud of crafting a brand-new regulation that will make it harder for a future president to end the DACA program. For The California Report... I'm
1: Taiki Hendricks. Thousands of people became US citizens during a massive naturalization ceremony at Dodger Stadium yesterday. It was the first time the stadium has hosted such an event, and it's the largest in LA since the start of the pandemic.
0: Congratulations. You are
3: all now citizens of the United States of America.
1: Gloria Oliva, who's from Guatemala, is one of the 2,119 new Americans. Oh, I just started crying because I love this nation and I would do anything for this nation. And it's changed my life because now I can actually vote. Now I can get into politics, you know. Legendary Dodgers pitcher Fernando Valenzuela, who became a citizen in 2015, was also honored at yesterday's ceremony for his contributions within the Los Angeles community.
2: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org Paint care now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, coming this fall, the launch of research vessel falcor II, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at SchmidtOcean.org.
1: And finally, more and more dead fish are piling up on beaches around the Bay Area, spanning from Vallejo to San Jose. Scientists fear the giant toxic algae boom could lead to permanent impacts.
3: KQED health correspondent Leslie McClurg explains. Water in Lake Merritt and the Oakland estuary started to turn red in late July. Now, huge swaths of the bay are chocolate brown. The toxic algae is likely a result of climate change and runoff from human wastewater plants. It leads to low oxygen content in the water, which kills fish, including six foot long white sturgeons.
4: Which is really tragic given how iconic this species is to the bay.
3: Ian Wren is a scientist with the environmental group San Francisco Baykeeper. Sturgeon can live up to 70 years, and yet an alarming number have died in a matter of days. He says rare green sturgeons, which are a federally protected species, are also washing up on shore. There are also signs that smaller organisms like worms and clams are dying.
4: So we could really be seeing impacts along the whole food chain here.
3: For now, officials have not warned against eating fish from the bay, But they are recommending people avoid playing or swimming in the water for long periods of time. Generally, this algae bloom is not toxic to humans, but it could cause skin irritation, eye irritation for people. Eileen White is the executive officer for the San Francisco Bay Regional Water Board. She says scientists are sampling the water and monitoring the situation closely. For The California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg.
1: And that's the California Report for Tuesday, August 30th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Marie Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: Turning to regional news, in about two weeks, a Nevada County judge will decide if Measure V, the half-cent sales tax initiative set for the November ballot, will be changed According to a report today from the union newspaper of Grass Valley, Audrey Pruitt filed a petition Monday in Nevada County Superior Court seeking a requirement that the halfpenny tax pass by a two thirds vote and that the language of the ballot measure be changed. In response, today a judge set the stage for attorneys in the case to file written arguments before a hearing occurs on either September 9th or 12th. A decision must occur no later than September 13th, as Nevada County's ballots must be printed by the following day. Attorney Barry Pruitt is representing his wife, Audrey Pruitt, in the matter. Barry Pruitt stated in the Monday filing that the tax initiative is special, as opposed to its current general designation, because the ballot question states specific purposes for which the money would be spent. The measure is now labeled as a general tax, which needs a simple majority to pass the Pruitt filing states that Measure V should require two-thirds voter approval. Among his other arguments, Pruitt contended that the tax will raise $9.5 million a year, not the $12 million officials claim. The Los Angeles Times reports today that a dive team that helped Nevada County authorities locate Kylie Rodney's body and vehicle earlier this month is helping authorities search for two missing California women, Adventures with Purpose, a volunteer search and recovery dive team, is now trying to find 22-year-old Jolissa Fuentes of Selma, who disappeared earlier this month, and 75-year-old Annette Adams of San Luis Obispo, who has been missing since April 2021. Adventures with Purpose joined law enforcement in the search for 16-year-old Rodney, who was last seen on August 6th at a party in Trekkie, The dive team announced on social media that it located her body and vehicle in Prosser Lake on August 21st. Nevada County and Placer County Sheriff's officials fielded questions from the media about their search efforts after Adventures with Purpose located her vehicle in two days. Nevada County Sheriff's Captain Sam Brown said while his team did search the area, it is not expert with underwater search. Turning to the subject everyone's talking about, the regional forecast from the National Weather Service. Daytime temperatures will rise every day this week with an excessive heat watch to go into effect Saturday morning through next Tuesday in the Sacramento Valley, northern San Joaquin Valley, the Delta, and adjacent foothills and mountains. Record temperatures of up to 115 degrees are possible. A heat watch is defined as an extended period of dangerously hot conditions. According to the National Weather Service, extreme heat will significantly increase the potential for heat-related illnesses, especially for those working or participating in outdoor activities over the Labor Day weekend. Sunday and Monday are expected to be the hottest days, with limited overnight relief. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, clear with a low around 66. Air quality index readings are in the mid-30s, which is considered satisfactory. Wednesday will be sunny and hot, with a high near 96 and a nighttime low of 68. Tonight in Truckee and Lake Tahoe, clear with lows in the mid-40s to mid-50s. Air quality index readings are hovering around 15, which is considered satisfactory. Wednesday will be sunny with highs in the high 70s to high 80s and nighttime lows of 45 to 55. This evening in Sacramento and Woodland will be clear with a low around 60. The air quality index is averaging around 40 in most areas, which is in the satisfactory range. Wednesday will be sunny and hot with a high near 99. Wednesday night will be clear with a low near 63. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. As our region heads into a brutal stretch of sizzling hot days, the future of the water supply is top of mind in California. Next, hydrologist Steve Baker talks to KVMR's Paul Emery about conservation methods and a handful of water projects around the North State that could offer some long-term relief. One of them is the Sites Reservoir, proposed for Calusa County.
5: This water news with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Steve, I'm going to start out with a, a quote that I, um, uh, something that I, I copied from an online source because uh, it kind of sums up the the questions here, and it's, it it says, says, "We are beginning this summer's biggest warming spell this week. Temperatures up to 103." 105 degrees within the next seven days and drying conditions everywhere. That's local. Uh, water storage is a big thing, Steve. But also, I wonder if there is enough water to fill new reservoirs and groundwater aquifers.
4: Well, that's very insightful, Paul, uh, <laughs> that you, you've, you've stepped on that. Water delivery absolutely is changing in California, and really, it's a result of not only our our ever forever increasing uses, but also climate change. It's altered how much and when the water gets delivered to California, and then on top of that, we have higher temperatures and we have higher nighttime temperatures in particular, which affects agriculture. So, putting all this together uh, with this constant demand for daily water in California. We have a legitimate question about having enough water in the future. But one, one thing's for sure. Uh, conventional dams and reservoirs, they're, you know, they're, what they do is needed. But there's a big downside. And, of course, that's environmental. So what kinds of water
5: storage storage projects are the most realistic at this point?
4: Well, the ones that jump out at me, there are two of them. One uh, is my specialty. It's, it's the groundwater recharge. I really believe in that, that there's a lot of storage that's available in portions of the Central Valley and mostly on the east side. And the environmental concerns, uh, the the uh, evaporation issues, they're much more minimal as compared to some of the other alternatives. These methods, however, uh, you know, for groundwater recharge would require infrastructure and it would require conveyance to move those floodwaters and those extra days of runoff into those recharge areas. So right now, Kings County, San Joaquin County, Tulare County, Stanislaus County, all of those areas have recharge projects that they're working on right now. Now, the other idea that I I believe is is a good one, but it does have some issues as well, like everything, would be off-stream reservoirs. Uh, This is a method uh, which is a reservoir and a dam, but it's not built right in the middle of the river the reservoir is built away from the river but in a landscape that can be made into a huge bathtub to fill it up when when the water's available and right now the sites reservoir project is being pursued that project's located on the west side of sacramento valley it's in calusa county in that area and the plan is to uh, plug the low points of the ridge with dams and there'll be two major dams uh, those will be around 300 feet in height And then there'll be a handful of smaller ones. But they'll also need uh, pumping plants. They'll need pipelines that would be constructed to fill the basin with water from the Sacramento River through a a network of existing irrigation canals. That's how that would work. But don't all all of those projects share the same problems? You mean, is there enough water? (laughs) Everyone's asking the same question. Is there enough water to fill this new water storage project? Uh, the big question is definitely there and um, the site's reservoir is no exception to that. They're wondering right now, is there enough water? Uh, We really need to look at our calculations. And also, is there uh, adequate water rights to do this this, this reservoir? Can we fill it? The reservoir will store 1.5 million acre feet of water, okay? That's a lot of water. Now... That's a year's worth of water for 3 million households, which is probably about a little over 6 million people. It's a lot of water, so it would really be of benefit to California, that's for sure, just looking at it from that perspective. It's also important to remember, however, that this is not new water. This water is coming out of the Sacramento River. So you have to look at where that water would have gone to and where it is going now, and uh, so who's who's taking the hit on on that, and how can that be uh, somehow smoothed out? Right now, as we speak, the state water board is asking for more information about the site's reservoir with regards to the Sacramento River flows. So they're looking at that question, you know, is there going to be enough water to, for this thing to work and not, uh, you know, cause issues down, down gradient. So uh, we just have to wait and see on that. Well, what projects can Foothill communities look at to add more
5: reliability to our water supplies?
4: I would say two things with regards to our well users in, in our county, in our area. Uh, if we could somehow take, a, a, take responsibility, basically, for the fractured rock aquifer groundwater supplies, we, we do it ourselves. Let's keep it healthy, and to do that, to keep it healthy, we have to pay attention to the aquifer system. And so uh, that would be one thing. Then also, I would I would venture to say, I mean, if we were to work on water reuse, water recycling and conservation, but not the way it, it, it's typically done when things get dry and then everyone goes back to normal use when, when we get an average water year. Uh, I'm not saying that. We need this to happening every day because... Uh, one way to look at what's going on these days is uh, enjoy the year, enjoy the water we have this year because it's not going to be this way every year. And it'll be this way less and less as we go on. So we really need to live with less water. So water reuse, water recycling, and uh, let's always be in a conservation mode.
5: Steve, lots of information to think about. Thank you so much. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co.
0: At this perplexing and uncertain time, Mark Cuniberti pauses to give us an overview from Money Matters Central. In this snapshot of the monetary moment, Mark surveys a smorgasbord of economic factors and ventures some personal predictions for the coming months.
6: Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name's Mark Kuniberti. The consumer is hopping mad about inflation. Price increases are the worst in half a century. The raging inflationary fire started right about the time Biden stepped into the big chair. But it's not his fault. Inflation is a long time in the making with decades of deficit spending by Washington bureaucrats who believed economic theory didn't apply to the great Uncle Sam. It did. It just took a while to do so, and now the wildfires of raging price increases burn hot with little containment. There are other contributing factors to inflation, of course, such as the war in Ukraine, decades of oil company trashing by political parties causing a reduction in oil production, a puzzling workforce that defies historical precedent as to the number of jobs available versus the number of people out of work and other miscellaneous reasons. Put it all together and it puts the Federal Reserve, the entity that has the unenviable job of harnessing the inflation problem in a box of its own making. Much like a forest fire, inflation has to be stopped early on or it can rage out of control like it's doing now. Gas had peaked locally here at an eye-popping 7 bucks a gallon, but has backed off in recent weeks. Thank goodness I paid about $4.50 last week. Few dispute the Fed should have addressed the rise in prices when it first started a few years back by increasing interest rates and telling Washington to stop handing out free money. Apparently asleep at the switch, however, the inflation train is now careening off the tracks and the Fed is scrambling to slow it down before it slams into the wall of hyperinflation, which is severe inflation that causes prices to rise daily, if not hourly. Waiting too long means stronger medicine is necessary, which translates to even more pain to the consumer through higher interest rates. In other news, stock analysts are split as to the next move on Wall Street. With the Dow off its 2022 lows, many are saying it's up and away from here, while others argue it's the proverbial bear market rally that is the traditional head fake. Although the recent earnings releases from publicly traded companies were not so horrendous, one could make the argument that with credit card use on the rise and debt defaults starting to rise, the real story will show up in the November earnings reports. We shall see. The real estate market is witnessing an alarming drop in home applications and sales as interest rates on mortgages are rising to the highest in years, bottoming out at below 3%. 30-year fixed rates are now pushing 7 Although some home prices themselves remain elevated, that's the next shoe to drop. In my opinion, the gears that is the real estate market are about to slam into hard reverse as rates are likely to go even higher. This will likely bring down housing prices. What the Fed gives the Fed taketh away. Maverick Elon Musk, meanwhile, continues to skirt the boundaries of what is considered proper and legal, as he continues to tweet both bizarre and confusing comments about his various business endeavors, the Steve Jobs of the 21st century. He is no doubt one of the smartest businessmen alive. Few would argue that point. He is also the richest man alive. Dollars are simply votes by the public, and apparently the consumer loves what he does and throws lots of those dollar votes his way. Speaking of tweets, Musk was planning to buy the social media company Twitter, but backed out of the deal for reasons only he knows. Twitter has something to say about the reneging of Musk, however, and a fierce and costly court battle will soon ensue. Meanwhile, the Musk car company Tesla continues to crank out, arguably, the best electric cars in the world, and his space company SpaceX has its sights on another moon landing, followed up by plans to invade Mars at some point. I can't wait to see how this all works out. We indeed live in interesting times watching the market so you don't have to. Today's newscast is my opinion only and is not meant as investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any securities, nor represents the opinion of any bank, investment firm, or registered investment advisor, nor this media outlet, its staff members, or underwriters. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com. Everything is free, our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Cunberg.
0: That's our newscast. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weekday at 6 p.m. Check out our website, kvmr.org, to hear expanded versions of many of our stories and interviews. Or listen to the KVMR Evening News and Steve Baker's Morning Updates wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR Community Radio gets support from... Carmen's Garden and Greenhouse, locally owned since 2012 on Loma Rica Drive, Grass Valley, stocking greenhouse coverings and components, down-to-earth amendments, IPM products, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 10 to 5. K-A-R-M-E-N-S garden.com This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Wednesday evening at 6 for another edition of of the KVMR Evening News.